Fantastic. I'm skipping over a few more chapters this morning. Last week we talked about chapters 18 through 20. Chapters 21 and 22 in Leviticus are, are more chapters about priests and sacrifices. And uh, there's wisdom to be found there. I have some notes that, that I wrote down in my study. But some of it just gets back to more things that we talked about kind of uh, at length earlier in the series. So, so we're, we're moving on. We're jumping forward uh, three chapters this morning to, uh, to chapter 23. So that's where we're going to be. Uh, it, it will be helpful for you to have your pew Bible. I'm, I'm guessing it'll be on the screen as well, but you might want to be able to hold something uh, for context as well. Chapter 23 is about the Jewish calendar, and I find it fascinating. I find it fast. It's, it's not something I'm terribly familiar with. I, I, don't have, I don't have Jewish friends for the most part who, who uphold the Jewish calendar, so I in my life, I'm fairly unfamiliar with the Jewish calendar, so, so it was really fun to, to, to jump in and to learn and, and to grow this week, and so I'm excited for this morning. So, so let's get going. Chapter 23, uh, a li- just a little bit of background and context. So for the Jews, the year is divided into these two halves. There's spring and there's summer, and then there's winter and, there, and there's fall. And that's kind of how they, they separate it out. We have a calendar that exists a little bit different. We go January to December, and so our calendar kind of splits up these seasons in ways that don't really make sense with the way that the earth moves. Uh, but for the Jews, that's not how they do it. There's, there's more flow to it. There's a pattern which we understand, and we especially understand here in Bozeman, Montana. We understand how the world, the, the creation, is built with rhythms. It's built with patterns. There's, there's an ebb and a flow to, way the, to the way the year goes. It's, it's why some un, unfaithful folks travel to the south in the, in the winter because they're not hardy enough to handle the, the ebb and the flow of, of Bozeman seasons. But the Jews were really intentional about those seasons. They took those really seriously, and so they actually organized their calendar around, around those seasons in order to have kind of a balance and a rhythm. So there's, an appropriate, there's appropriate times uh, to work and to rest and to play and to party. And so they actually start their calendar when the seasons kind of start the calendar. So their calendar starts in mid-March with kind of where we would start spring, uh, and halfway through the year is basically today, the way that uh, when, uh, when uh, fall begins. Uh, so, so the seventh month, which we're going to read about uh, this morning, is in mid-September, like honestly, right now. So there's, there's three festivals that are going to happen in the spring, and then there's three festivals that are going to happen in the fall. In the spring, they're going to pause to thank God. All of these festivals, all six festivals are about gratitude. They're ultimately about thankfulness. So in the spring, they're going to pause, and they're going to thank God for the winter rain. Thank you, God, for bringing us through the winter and for the rejuvenation of the earth. It, it, was, it was bleak and it was desolate. So thank you for bringing us through that and for, for providing the rain that rejuvenates the earth. Then in the fall, they're going to pause at harvest time to thank God for his goodness. For bring, thank you for bringing us the food. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for the bounty and the growth of harvest. And then they're going to pray that the rains will come again. 
Because when the seasons start changing, there's uncertainty in the air, and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Is this going to be a monster storm year uh, here? And for them, is this going to be a season where there's total drought, uh, and we don't know what's going to come come springtime? Or is there going to be enough rain, and we're going to be provided for? So they take time to be thankful for what God has done and to pray to God, asking for God to provide his, his provision uh, again. Now this is how the chapter starts. Uh, verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed festivals, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. Now, when God refers to these sacred festivals, these sacred assemblies that are to take place at God's appointed time, suddenly we are, we're kind of thrust into the category of talking about ordinary time versus sacred time. And so that's, that's incredibly significant as we take a look at these festivals. There's ordinary time. There's regular time throughout the year. And we know this. We know this in our spirit. And we know this in our calendars as well, that there's, there's ordinary time where the time just kind of drags on. And then there's sacred time. There's times where we stop and we pause and, and we celebrate, we give thanks, we party. Uh, and, and so uh, the beginning of this chapter kind of thrusts us into a conversation about what's the difference between ordinary time and sacred time. This chapter and these festivals are alerting us to the, the idea that ordinary time, regular time, which is only ordinary if we allow it to become stale, must regularly be infused with sacredness. We're remembering that over time, this kind of, the ordinary seasons of our life can become really stale and stagnant if we allow them to be so. So every so often, we need to infuse our time, our lives, with sacredness to remind us of God's original plan for all of time to actually be sacred. But before the writer gets to the six uh, festivals, they start with this verse about Sabbath. Verse 3. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. So, so we're, we're starting in that place because Sabbath is both the idea and the practice that is going to undergird all of these festivals. All of this, time, this talk about time and work and ordinary time versus sacred time, the thing that undergirds all of that uh, is the idea and the practice of Sabbath. Yes, we need big, grandiose festivities to snap us out of our slumber and to remind us that we need to recenter our lives on God but if we are not keeping up with the regular spiritual rhythms of life, if we're not keeping Sabbath, then the big events, the festivals, probably won't cut it. I, I, I compare it, I was thinking about folks who come to worship on the big high holiday Sundays of the year, right? You probably all have some people in your life that they show up to Easter and they show up to Christmas, 
right? And that's great. I'm actually, I'm glad that they do. That's certainly better than not doing that and never coming to worship at all. But I would guess that's probably not doing much for their regular walk with God, correct? If we're not taking time each week to pause, to rest, and to declare that ultimately God is in control of it all, then doing something big a couple times a year probably isn't going to make a big difference in our spiritual walk. And so we're, we're reminded right out of the gate, before we're talking about big festivities, big sacred assemblies, that ultimately this has to be a regular occurrence. This has to be something that we do on an ongoing basis. Okay, on to the festivals. So there's six. So we're starting out with three spring festivals, three spring feasts. And the first is one that we're really familiar with, verse 4. These are the, uh, so this is the Passover and unleavened bread. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. So, so remember, we're thinking March. That's March is the first month for the Jews. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's festival of unleavened bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present a food offering to the Lord. And on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. So this, again, is probably our most familiar of the feasts. It's about celebrating the exodus from Egypt. We know... We kind of know this. We know what Passover is about, correct? Uh, We're celebrating that God brought his people out of bondage and into freedom, out of darkness and into light, out of hardship and death and into a flourishing life. No wonder this is a spring festival, right? This this rings of spring, uh, no wonder it is. They've just come out of a rough winter, Wondering if enough rain came. Wondering if the food that they've stored up is actually going to last until harvest time. So then they pause to remember that they worship a God who once brought them out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land, who brought them out of the metaphorical death of winter and into the new life and hope of spring. They, they stop in spring uh, to, to, to do no work, for one week, and to remember that all their work in Egypt ultimately got them was a bunch of bricks. Uh, it didn't get them freedom because ultimately God is, only, is the only one who provides that. So we stop and we remember that, all right, ultimately we just need to trust. There's a lot of uncertainty at this point, God, and I don't, I don't know. That winter was rough, and there's still some time before we're going to see your bounty, your provision. So I guess we're, let's just stop and remember that our work ultimately doesn't get us what we need, and you are the one who ultimately provides. It's, it's a beautiful feast. So then the second one. Then comes the, uh, the feast, the festival of first fruits. Verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, whenever you enter the land I am going to give you and reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first uh, first grain you harvest. So, so we're bringing the first 
fruits, skipping down to 14. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. So, there's, some, there are, there's obviously some sort of spring harvest. Something has grown throughout the winter and there's some amount of spring harvest, although it's not the main harvest that's going to happen six months later. So this ritual is significant because they're not out of the woods yet. Like there's, there's something that they can give. They have things left over or they've reaped some amount of harvest, but they're not set for the rest of the year. There's a lot of uncertainty. They, they're not out of the woods. They, they haven't reaped some huge bounty where they would be comfortable giving some of it to God. Uh, this is going to stretch them a little bit. This, this, ritual, uh, this ritual feast invites trust. To, to give to God right from the start, the first fruits, before, before the paycheck even comes in, before, before that promotion kicks in, will I, will I trust God in that? Will I take that leap of faith and trust God to give to him before our needs are even met and then to trust that he will provide? I, I, don't, I don't have all the answers everything's not set in stone. I don't know how, I don't know how the summer's going to go and I don't know how the harv- what the harvest is going to bring, but God, I'm going to give to you first. I'm going to give you my first fruits because I'm learning to trust you. This is a beautiful festival of both generosity and of trust, uh, of letting go of our need to cling to our possessions. Uh, it's, it's a festival of letting go and trusting in God to actually take care of us even if things are challenging, even if the, the future is uncertain. And, and then the final spring feast is called the Festival of Weeks, one, uh, one I wasn't terribly familiar with, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to ring like a, another festival that we know about from the New Testament. Verse 15, from the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. So from Passover, saying from, from the Passover celebration, count off seven full weeks, count off 50 days up to the, the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. Verse 21, on that same day, you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. When, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the, the foreigners residing among you. I am the Lord your God. So this, this is seven weeks after Passover, 50 days which, for the, which the Greek translation of that is Pentecost. This is, this is the origins of Pentecost that the, the early Christians are going to be celebrating uh, in the book of Acts. This feast was the marker of the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. So things are starting to change. It's kind of the end of, of this, this celebration of the spring and looking forward to what will happen uh, later down the line. So again, this is a festival of thanksgiving. It's a festival of gratitude for God's provision, that he has taken care of us, and so we want to give him thanks. Uh, when, then no wonder uh, in this section 
the end of the spring festivals of gratitude, uh, it ends with a reminder about leaving the edges of the field unharvested because with great blessing comes the responsibility to, to be a great blessing to others. So we've had these three festivals where we are saying thanks. God, thank you so much for providing for us. Then no wonder at the end of this section, this little verse tucked in there uh, is this, it almost feels like an aside, but it's saying, now don't forget, when you've been blessed greatly, you have a responsibility to be a great blessing to, to others. We, we take care of others because God has taken care of us. We're compassionate because God has been compassionate. He is the Lord, a, a God of compassion and provision, and we are called to be like him. Okay, so those are the spring festival. That, that brings us to the fall festivals, and it starts with the festival of trumpets. This is verse 23. The Lord said to, to Moses, Say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a, a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. So this festival is kicking off harvest. There's reason to celebrate. And so this festival inaugurates what is the most sacred month of the, the Jewish calendar. There are three weeks of sacred days, and there are three festivals within these three weeks because we're celebrating. God has brought forth the bounty. God has provided, God has taken care of us. We weren't sure if it, what was going to happen. We were trying to give our first fruits, just trusting that God was going to provide, and now he has, and so we celebrate. And it's kicked off with the trumpet blast, probably the blowing of the shofar. And so they blow this shofar, and this is a tremendous call to wake up, to take heed, to pay attention, and, because they're there's news that's worth paying attention to. God has provided. God has taken care of us. Uh, and so this is a call to wake up, to pay attention. And it's not just for the Israelites. It's actually a call out to God. Traditionally, this was this, was this kind of twofold trumpet blast. It's to wake up the Israelites, and it's to wake up God, just in case he's not paying attention as well. Uh, and, and so uh, there's these two. We're, we're being reminded. We're reminding the people of God's provision and we're reminding God that, remember your, your promise, your commitment. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for being committed. Would you continue to do so into the future? We're, we're being woken up to God's reality. I, I love how this one commentator says it. He says, the sound of the trumpet blast arouses Israel and God to reciprocal fidelity. We're both trusting in each other and we're in this partnership together and the trumpet blasts reminds us of of our relationship with God so then comes the day of atonement uh, what we know of as, as Yom Kippur today which we talked about quite a bit two weeks ago so so I'm I'm going to keep moving for the sake of time so then the final fall festival is a fun one. Uh, it, it's uh, the Festival of Tabernacles or, or the Festival of Booths uh, or the Jews call it Sukkot, uh, the, the, the Feast of, of Tabernacles. So uh, this starts in verse 33. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Festival of Tabernacles begins and it lasts for seven days. 
The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. Which This is a theme we're going to get back to in a moment. Do no regular work. Do no regular work. For seven days, present food offerings to the Lord, and on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is the closing special assembly. Do no regular work. Verse 39. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, After you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. We've harvested in the the crops. We're going to party for seven days because God is good and he is worthy of our celebration. The first day is a day of Sabbath rest and on the eighth day, and the eighth day is also a day of Sabbath rest. On the first day you are to take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. And, and then this, this is why it's called the Feast of, of Booths or Tabernacles, Sukkot. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters uh, so your descendants will know that I had that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So they would build these booths, these rooms, these cubicles to live in for a week as this reminder of God bringing the Israelites out of captivity and how he still does today. I brought you out of the wilderness and into my provision, into the, the promised land. Uh, and I know it was hard. I know it was challenging. Uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you into this kind of challenging week as a, as a reminder of my goodness, that I will walk with you. I will be with you even if you find yourself living in your cubicle. Like, I will be with you even if life uh, throws you a curveball and you're living in a tent. I will be with you. I will walk with you out of the darkness and into the light. Uh, And the timing of it for the year, I think, is important. Fall is here. Winter is coming. There's no promise that things are going to be okay, that we're going to make it, that there will be enough rain. There's uncertainty for these folks. They don't know what challenges await in the winter. This could get really rough. This could be a tough winter. So, so God, we're asking you to be with us. We're spending time in these temporary dwellings to remember that as our ancestors journeyed in the wilderness, you took care of them. You provided for them. So now take care of us and provide for us as well. In whatever is coming, we're trusting in you. We're turning to you. Okay, so those are the six festivals. So we're not Jewish, uh, I'm assuming most of, most of you are not, uh, and we're probably not going to start participating in these festivals anytime soon the way our Jewish brothers and sisters would, but there's still tons of wisdom for us here. Certainly uh, part of the wisdom to be found here, that the real easy takeaway here this morning is that these feasts invite us to be people of gratitude for God's provision. He takes care of us, and so we give him thanks. We're thankful and we're gracious because of God's great grace. But there's, an, there's this other theme that I pointed out just a moment ago that continues to ring out in each of these festivals, the call to Sabbath and to not doing any work. 
It shows up in all of them. They all talk about rest and doing nothing and taking a break to celebrate. It shows up in every one of these feasts. Uh, these feasts beg us then to talk about time and work. That's what they're about as well. This is about setting aside some sacred time uh, to, to get back on track, to recenter, to be people of gratitude and people of prayer. They beg us to talk about time and work. So, uh, a few thoughts about time and work. What we see here is that regular time gets interrupted by the sacred time. Right? They've been living their lives six months at a time, and then the, the ordinary time gets disrupted by these festivals where no work is to be done, and we are to trust that God will care for us like he did before. For most of us, life is just ordinary time all the time. Far too often, my life is just one long string of ordinary time. There's not a whole lot that's sacred about it. I don't take time to pause and to celebrate and, and to, be, to be grateful for what God has given me. Too often my life can just be this long, monotonous string of ordinary time. It's a grind. It's a slog. We're just trying to get through life one normal day at a time over and over and over again. Too much of our culture is that way. But the Jewish calendar begins with sacred time, with celebration, with resting in God. That is what is ultimately important. It doesn't begin with six months of work that's finalized by, by a couple celebrations. No, it starts with the celebration. It actually starts with doing no work and remembering that God is good and God provides. Sure, the work must be done, because, because the kids need to eat and mortgages need to be paid and, and we, we need to work. But for the Jews, everything springs from the joy. Everything springs from the contentment in God's provision. That is the place where it starts. And everything else, all the ordinary time, springs from the sacred time. The work is ultimately about the joy. So built into their community rhythm, this system of feasts, is that just when the work has gone on long enough, we, we celebrated and then there's six months of kind of ordinary regular time and just when that's feeling like it's too much and we can't handle it, well, take heart Be because uh, there's time for another festival. It's time to celebrate. Just when life is taking its toll and we're losing the creative spark, well, well it's time to celebrate. And, and we get this built-in reminder that this, this is all supposed to be about joy and celebration of life. The festivals where rest is commanded remind us that we don't ultimately control the universe. God does. He is, in, he is in charge. We work and we work and we work. Uh, our world celebrates efficiency and success and achievement. We control our own destiny. Uh, that, that not overachieving and working ourselves to the bone is just laziness. And we need to try harder and we need to achieve more. Uh, that the best way to take care of our family is to work hard and make more money. Like we tell ourselves all of these kind of lies. We say things, our culture says things like, I'll rest when I'm dead, right? Like we've heard phrase, we have phrases like that that are a part of our cultural jargon 
because that's kind of built in, it's baked into who we are as people, especially here in America. But these sacred rhythmic rituals are necessary to remind us that that kind of pattern is not God's pattern. That way of doing life is not God's way of doing life. We were not created as humans doing, but as humans being. It's not ultimately all up to us, but God. So we need to rest and remember that the world will keep spinning on without us because God ultimately holds all of the world in his hands. We behave too often as if the six days are the real work. And then Sabbath is just rejuvenating us so that we can go do more of that real work the rest of of the week, in, in that next week, so that we just have more energy for more brick making. to be more efficient and successful. But what if day seven is the real work? I think these festivals are helping remind us of that. What if day seven is the real work? What if rest and joy and contentment and celebration is our primary responsibility? I mean, I almost can't even speak that sentence out loud because so baked into our culture says that that's not true, that that's not the way it's supposed to be. I almost can't say that phrase with a straight face because we've been conditioned to think that that's lazy or selfish. Uh, But it's not. It's the divine rhythm of creation. Joy is what matters most. Contentment and rest is what matters most. It's not the slog that's that's important. It's day seven that's important. But that takes flipping a switch in order to live into that kind of reality, correct? Like the switch from life is a grind with a periodic day off to life is fundamentally to be celebrated and enjoyed. Uh, And to work, yes, but to do so with ultimate trust in God's provision. There needs to be this kind of switch that flips because our culture uh, tells us a different story. Leviticus reminds us that God has created the world with these sacred rhythms, seasons of busyness and activity, uh, but most certainly then seasons of dormancy and rest. There's a balance there. So if we want to sync ourselves up with the rhythm of God, we too must heed these rhythmic reminders, work and rest in proper balance That's how things flourish and thrive in God's economy. So, the question then is, uh, as we come to a close here, what what might these sacred rhythms actually look like for us? Like, we're probably not moving into some cubicles on our front lawn anytime soon, right? Uh, You can if you want. I, I, I encourage that. Uh, I'll come and take pictures for the next church newsletter. But... But we're probably not going to live into all of these festivals the way that our Jewish brothers and sisters do. So what does this actually look like? How do we live into this kind of, these seasons, these rhythms of sacredness that God has baked into the foundation of creation? Well, I was thinking about my own life, uh, about our sacred seasons and rhythmic reminders that we kind of have as a part of our family. I was thinking about this last summer, like, Summers are kind of hard for us. Like we have our kids in school, and that's, that makes it really easy to go about work and, and 
you know, success and efficiency, like dump the kids at school and then you go get a whole bunch of stuff done over the next six or seven hours and then go pick them up. It's really easy to be efficient and kind of operate within the world's uh, way of doing things when the kids are in school. But then summer hits and, and we're kind of stingy and we don't want to pay for childcare. So then the, the schedule has to be altered in some sort of way. And it drives me crazy. It's so hard because it's like I end up working in the evenings at time, like after the girls are asleep or I'm sometimes finishing up my sermon like on a Friday night instead of doing other things. But I'm also like going to the pool with my kids during the day and we're doing all these fun things or we're going on vacations, things like that. The schedule is just really crazy and it drives me nuts because it rips me out of this efficiency mode of the school year and drags me into this, this other mode. And while it drives me crazy, I, I love it too. I love the fact that it forces me to think differently about work and rest and family and fun. It, it reminds me that, oh yeah, like I can slow down for a season or I can, I can adjust my schedule differently for a season to actually spend time with my family and rekindle those kind of relationships and, and to experience joy and contentment in, in my life. Yes, it will be harder to be productive in the world's way of seeing things, but I'm a way better husband and father in the summer, in the summer months. It, it's this yearly reminder of, of what really, really matters and a chance to kind of reset priorities. It's why we go on vacations. And those things are important because sometimes... We just need to take some time off and to celebrate and, and to enjoy our life. Uh, I, I'm going to this conference in Idaho this, this next weekend uh, called Leadership Tune-Up, and I, I'm going to spend the first couple days riding mountain bikes with my friend, and then I'm going to go to this conference, uh, and I'm going to see all these colleagues and friends that I have from around the Northwest, and, and we just... I, I skip some of the lectures sometimes and just go hang out with my friends. Moment of truth here. Because I look forward to this weekend all year round because it's this chance to kind of drag me out of the normal rhythm and give me this chance to rejuvenate and find joy and contentment and to talk with my friends and to be with them when we don't get to see each other very often. We need those kind of rhythms. We need those kind of rituals. That's a festive, that's a feast. That's a festival. Uh, we do things like that in our church sometimes. We, we take these seasons, like during Lent, where uh, we're going to kind of pause, and we're going to show up every Wednesday night downstairs, and we're going to eat a simple meal, and we're going to have a simple devotional, and, and we're going to just spend some time together because we need those seasons every once in a while. Six weeks where we just... Let's decompress and let's take a breath and let's do things a little bit differently to remember that God has built into the fabric of creation this need for, for these seasons, for these cycles. And it's all undergirded by the need for weekly, regular reminders of what's so important. Mandy and I have, uh, we've noticed lately that our lives have gotten so crazy as the kids have gotten older. Like, I kind of thought some, as different seasons changed in parenting, that, that it'd get a little easier or something, but it's like way harder than it was before, because now we're juggling all these things. Here's what my week looks like. So Sundays I'm here, 
in the pulpit on Sunday morning, and then we have, uh, we, have soc- we have two soccer games this afternoon at one, and then we have small group tonight. So that's, that's Sunday. Mondays, Mandy sings with the symphony chorus. Tuesdays, she volunteers with Love, Inc., and I host the college group at our house. Wednesdays, Peyton has soccer practice, and then I either go play basketball or hang out with my friends after the girls are asleep. Uh, Thursday, Pey- uh, Zoe has soccer practice, and a couple, nights, a couple Thursdays out of the month, we have, uh, I have board meetings that I have to go to. Uh, but Fridays and Saturdays, we got nothing. And so we were even saying recently that we need to guard those days because they're sacred. They need to be. We have to guard our Friday nights and our Saturdays, and we need to make intentional decisions about how we use those days as sacred time because the slog can catch up to you. Those days, they, they burn you out. And we, we probably all have that. So maybe there's times in your week too where you need to say, all right, I'm doing nothing tonight. Or if I do something, it's because I am being intentional about the fact that this is going to help me to, to recenter myself, to reprioritize my life, and to find joy and contentment instead of just another thing on the to-do list for the week. It takes a plan. It takes an intentional decision. It takes a a scheduled rhythm or else the ordinary time takes over and it loses its sacredness. We need, to, we need those reminders. So here's the challenge for you. Take some time this week by yourself or with your family to think through your relationship with time and work. How, how, do, your, how do you use your seven days? What what does your schedule look like? Do, do you have a healthy relationship with work, with achievement, with success? Or is it just taking over? Uh, and, and suddenly it's all about efficiency and all about getting things done and all about getting promotions or about how many errands I can run today or how many, how many rooms in the house I can get clean. Like, those things are important. But have they, have they become the priority of your life? Is there a healthy relationship that you have with work and achievement and success? Is there a time of the week that the work is done even if it's not? Like, is there any time built into your schedule for the week where I just have, I got to push the computer aside, I got to put the, the tablet away, I, I got to put the cleaning supplies down, I, I got to i got to stop running errands and park the car for six hours. Is there any time where the work is done even if it's not? Do you have weekly and yearly rhythms where you can pause, reflect, be grateful, get your priorities reset, and pray over the next season of your life? Do you have rhythms? Maybe it's summer. Maybe it's, I always, I always go this place at this time of the year, and I or we used to go on that vacation all the time, or we used to go camping a lot, and man, that was good for our family. But man, we haven't gone camping in like two years. Are there, are there things throughout your year and throughout your week that maybe you've let slide and you need to recommit to, I need some sacred moments in my life to remember that time is not just supposed to be ordinary. Time... Time is supposed to be joyous. And if not, what, what might those weekly and yearly practices look like? Let's heed the wisdom of Leviticus. Let's remember that God created the world to have balance, a proper alignment between work and rest. Let's remember that God is ultimately in control 
and be willing to pause, rest, and acknowledge that with gratitude. And let's be willing to intentionally create sacred time and seasons where we can rest, rejuvenate, and celebrate God's goodness and provision. Because ultimately, this life is meant to be one of joy, contentment, and celebration, where we flourish and thrive through a proper balance of work and rest. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you have built into our world these rhythms, these rituals. And I thank you for our Jewish brothers and sisters that, that uh, ha- have so much to teach us about how we can live our lives with proper balance. Would we take these words from Leviticus and start to apply them in ways that are helpful, in ways that get us back on track, that take us out of the slog of the six days and into the joy and contentment of day seven, where we can carry that through the week and let it guide us, let it help us make decisions about how we spend our time. Would life ultimately be all sacred uh, because we take time to reinfuse the ordinary with the sacredness that you can provide us. God, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.